Episode 21, and it's WCW! Yay! Yay. We need the the canned children's um, cheers from the the Firefly Funhouse (laughs) put in there for real enthusiasm. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's episode 21 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast, and we are delighted to bring to you... WCW Spring Stampede 1998 from Denver, Colorado. Adam, how are you doing this fine evening? Yeah, um, great. This is, yeah, we're, this will be fun. 1998 is dragging, right? <laughs> um, somehow time <laughs> moves slower in WCW world than it does elsewhere. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. Uh, I, I don't know. We took some time out and we did. We had a wee vacation to All Elite Wrestling, so we've only got ourselves to blame. It was a good way of procrastinating, but we had to come back to the to the the meat, as they say. And here we are with Iron Mike Tenay, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and our boy Tony Schiavone in Denver, Colorado. It's Spring Stampede, probably the most elaborate of stages that we've seen in nineteen ninety eight so far. Certainly one up in anything that WWF has done to this point. Yeah, I think that my memory is they were generally pretty basic, pretty bare. But um yeah, there's a, a couple of things going on here just to try to remind you of exactly what uh pay-per-view we're watching. <laughs> yeah, well what we need here is um you know, like how WWF have like music that's you know like the themed song for for each pay per view. Yeah. We could do with JBL's music for this. Ah, uh, yeah, that'd be good. That would have been the highlight of the show, though. Uh, that, <laughs> you don't want it to overshadow the the whole show. <laughs> oh, fuck! Oh, we've started already. Um, yeah, I was actually going to say WW, WCW Spring Stampede, or as I called it, WCW. What's the fucking point in this? <laughs> yeah. Maybe 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 watching maybe watching all out was the worst possible thing we could have done before before recording this one, but hey ho. We've got ourselves into this mess, Adam, and we're gonna maybe get ourselves out of it. Yeah, what what you don't wanna do is end up not watching any AEW just because it's good. You 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 don't want to you don't want to end up in that world. No, no, that's a fair point. That's how you end up trolling Netflix for like the worst possible horror movies there is. Yeah. So here we are, April nineteen ninety eight. We're with WCW. At this point in time, I can't even remember what the fuck WWF are doing. Um, to be quite honest, I think we maybe had Unforgiven and the. An inferno match. 
most recently. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and it's been Austin and uh, uh, Dude Love. Dude Love, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And in WCW, as usual, it's all about the NWO, Hogan, and that disciple fella that he's <laughs> plucked off the road and decided to get him to come carry his bags. <laughs> he would probably drop the bags, wouldn't he? Oh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get into it later, but uh, that yeah. <sighs> I just I, I want to say up front before we even start talking about this pay per view that Vince Russo is still working for WWF at this point. Just want to make that hundred percent clear. Yeah, it's not it's not all his fault. No, um, exactly. It was yeah, this, it was a shit show before he got there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. It's maybe one of those, you know, the um, the gif where the guy goes in with the pizzas and the place is burning and all that and everything's <laughs> going to shit. It's maybe maybe everyone gives Russo a hard time. Maybe he walked into that. So yeah. he's he's a delivery man. Yeah, could could be, could be, bro. Right. So let's let let let's go for it. Let's go for it with this pay per view. We we kick right off from the start with a little video package which basically breaks down all the sort of issues that the NW have been having. Um, so Nash and Hogan are at each other. Savage and Hogan are really at each other. Um, and we're seeing a bit of a split happen between everyone's favourite black and white faction. Um, and that takes us neatly into the pay-per-view. Um, we kick off. I love to say that we kick off with a banger, but... Rarely do we actually kick off with a banger, <laughs> and this one is no is no exception. <laughs> um, it's all right, actually. It's not bad. We, we start off with Perry Saturn and Mr. Undefeated. I think at this point in time, he's 73 and O. Yeah, that's what they said at the start of the the, the intros anyway. So, uh, Bill Goldberg, who is... Yeah, he, he's... Go, he, I think, is it Tanae? Maybe says that he's been basically been squashing cans up until now. So, mm-hmm. um, it, this is probably the first match that we've seen at Goldberg's, I would say, so far, where he's let some the, the other person get a bit of offence in. Would you say that's mm-hmm. fair? Yeah. Um, it, when it started, because I hadn't checked times or anything like that, I assumed another squash. Um, so it, it does go a little bit longer than I expected and uh, Saturn gets some offence in I don't think anyone watching is ever at any point under any illusion about who's going to win the match no. but uh, at least it, it's made to look probably more competitive than, than his previous matches Yeah, agreed and Saturn's doing logical things he's trying to chop him down he's, he's going for the legs and the knees um, and we get Kidman in here trying to help out because obviously Saturn and Kidman are in the Ravens' flock. Um, it's a Goldberg match, a little bit more of an extended Goldberg match. Um, yeah. Saturn tries to to put on the rings of Saturn, and Goldberg picks him up and slams him into a horrible looking jackhammer yeah. for the win. Seventy four no. Yeah, and it's it it's fine. It's doing you know we're putting Goldberg over, <clears throat> we're putting him over strong. Uh, interference can't stop him and all that. We we know where it's heading long term, but uh, we find out 
just beforehand that short term where it's going to head for him is that he is going to get a shot at the US title on the following Nitro um, against the winner of the DDP versus Raven title match later on in the card. So we know he's now number one contender to to go and uh, win his first title in WCW. And I th- yeah, that's a neat way of hooking us in to to seeing what happens next. I think at this point in time, Goldberg's over massively. I think you see on the the episode the episode Nitro after this, my God, he's like a superstar. Yeah. Um, uh, they make a really big deal of them, and I think they do really well of doing that. Um, so yeah, probably probably quite a sensible thing to start off with Goldberg. Actually, Hookshin, I'm sure everybody was was really enjoying watching them at this point in time. Yeah, and the crowd are into it, and like you say, you know, it's if you can't start fast with a brilliant quality match, it's it's a one sided match, but at least it should get the crowd up and yep. going. Um, and I think it it did that. He's getting a brilliant reaction at this stage, and I think he does for for quite a while beyond. Yeah, and we can talk about who Goldberg faces and and what happens the following night once we've got to the DDP Raven Hardcore yeah. Fest. Um, so we we follow that with a, an, another. I feel a fairly decent match. Um, Chavito Chavo Guerrero. Uh, coming out with his uncle Eddie, who is still hugely disappointed in his nephew, <laughs> um, and he's taken on Ultimo Dragon. Have you seen much of Ultimo Dragon in your time, Adam? Uh, a few matches here and there, but uh, not a lot. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this. I thought it was a decent match. I really like the story they've got going with Chavo and Eddie. Um, it's one of the more interesting stories that they've they've got on the go just now that's not under the uh, NWO banner um, yeah just t- a tiny little bit of background but Chavo is basically having to uh, follow Eddie um, he wears a is it my favourite wrestler is Eddie Guerrero yeah. t-shirt yeah, like that. Uh, with lie, cheat and steal uh, on the back of it and um, Eddie's really good at playing this you know underhanded heel who'll do anything to, to get his way do anything to win a match wants Chavo to, to follow in his footsteps in that sense and is just furious that he's uh, he's doing things like playing fair in this match like he's, he's given Ultimo Dragon uh, a little bit of recovery time after an accidental low blow. Um, this is, you know, not the way that uh, Eddie would be uh, performing in this match. He'd be taking every shortcut and every advantage possible. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like that story. I think it's uh, it's a good one for both performers. I think they're they're both kind of getting over from it. Yeah, totally agree. Um, see, even the way Eddie walks, the way he sort of skulks about. Yeah, he, he's he's uh, he's sort of bridging the gap between dastardly heel and like pantomime villain really really well. Yeah, um, and he spends most of this match hiding under a towel because he's so unimpressed with his um, with his nephew's performance. Uh-huh. I, I did quite like the way I, I'm like you. I really enjoy what they're doing with this um, with this storyline. It's totally independent of everything else that's going on, and, and I think. I don't know if I'm being really naive, but I'm quite interested to see if Chavo is eventually just going to succumb to that um, Guerrero gene, or or if he's going to go really go against Eddie. I'm really quite interested. 
Yeah, um, it's good because it, it's still very much where we are just now. It feels like it could go either way, uh-huh. uh, which is interesting because you don't know what's coming. Yeah, I think there was that time when Ultimate Dragon was down and it looked like Chavo was kind of maybe going to go and mm-hmm. attack him and then he sort of backs off. Yeah. Um, ultimately, he does the right thing and it ends up costing him. And I'm sure that's what we'll hear Eddie saying to him. Um, he goes for his Tornado DDT from the top rope and Alamo Dragon uh, uh, reverse it into quite a neat reversal into his um, Dragon Sleeper and Chavo Taps. Yeah. And Alamo, so, so Alamo Dragon wins the match and we fade to black with Eddie looking less than impressed with his nephew. Yeah. Um, we've got a little moment on the, the following Nitro uh, with Eddie and Chavo where it's actually during a La Parca and Ultimo Dragon match. Ah, okay. Um, so that Eddie kind of guides Chavo down to ringside and wants Eddie to, to get involved, you know, to take out a, a weak man, uh, somebody who's already been in a, in a match and is, is currently in the throes of a match. Uh, Chavo looks like he doesn't really want to, uh, doesn't want to interfere. Um, and, but he ends up doing it. He's, he's, he gets involved and uh, goes after uh, Ultimo Dragon. He doesn't look happy about the fact he's doing it, which, you know, still plays into where we are with the story. Is he going to uh, end up embracing it now that he's got a little bit of a taste for it? Or hmm. is he going to be even more against it and a bit disgusted with himself that he kind of gave in to what Eddie was telling him to do? I like that. I have to admit that I must have flicked past that because I, I tried to really only watch the bits of the Nitro that I thought might be um, the sort of big, big important parts. So I've missed that. That's what you get if you go past a, a La Parca match. What a blunder. That, that, that guy's quite something. <laughs> so it was at this point in time that I texted you and said, what are you talking about? Those first two matches have been, you know, like they're no five stars are in but they're all right and i think you what did you say no i said some of it's decent <laughs> yeah that's and, and that is what i said because I'd, I'd watched it a few days before you and I, I really do try not to you know go negative because you don't want to influence the, the you know when you haven't watched it but um it was a bit of a struggle with this one <laughs> <laughs> well the, the next match isn't too bad um We've got Chris Benoit taking on Booker for his TNT. Is it TNT TV title? I think I say it different every time. I, I don't know if it is TNT or if it's just TV title, but you might be right. I'm, I'm not sure. So the, the whole gimmick with these TV title matches is that they're, we've been talking about Booker. He's been fighting all the time, uh, taking on all comers, and there's a 10-minute allocation of these matches. Um, Benoit and Booker T have went 10 minutes twice, I think, to name, maybe said. Yeah. Um, and they've, so they've went to a draw two times on pay-per-view. They'll get the opportunity to go a bit longer and, um, until there's a winner. So um, I think on paper, looking at Ben Man Booker T, looks like a good match. So you, you kind of know what you're getting before this, I think. Yeah. Um, are you are you aware of the, the series that these two have had? Yes. Across the years? Yes, I am. Uh, I didn't know when that happened in relation to where we are just now. Yeah, same. Um, so they've had two 
best of seven series, um, the the first of the best of seven happened uh, in what are we in here? April. We're in April, yeah. Yeah. The first best of seven starts in May. Okay. Um, so you can see what this match is setting out. Um, and the second one happened in WWE, obviously, in, in 2005. Yeah. Um, that one for the US belt, this one for the TV belt. Um, I think, I, 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 to be honest with you, I didn't take a huge amount of notes because I was quite enjoying watching it. Um, mm-hmm. I've just got here that this was exactly what you'd expect for these two. It's very hard hitting. Yeah. Yeah, quite quite stiff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've got a few notes about what's going on. You know, the, the, again, I think we've mentioned this before, but respect is very much playing into the the narrative between the two. Uh, however, we've we've had a situation on Thunder uh, just before this where Benoit's in a match with uh, I think it's Scott Norton. Um, and there's a lot of NWO interference because no. he comes down and makes the save. Uh, but Benoit doesn't want the help. He's, um, he's not, he doesn't react very well, very positively. Really. Um, so that when, when they're having their match here, again, it's, it's very much, uh, you know, looks like a, a wrestling match, a clean contest at the start and then descends into a brawl mm. as we go. Uh, Benoit's showing some heel tendencies as we go through um, this being kind of a I would say baby face against baby face mm-hmm. match yep. um, and I can understand Benoit being the one that does some of these things because I think you know Booker's very much get starting to get over as a pretty big baby face yep. here um, yeah so some heel tendencies from Benoit uh, a lot of you know suplexes body slams things like that like you say that the kind of things you would expect in these the matches between the two, um, we've got Benoit hitting the top rope uh, flying headbutt, um, but Booker T getting to the ropes. Uh, Booker T big suplex on on Benoit. We've got Benoit responding with the three rolling German suplexes. Um, every time I put suplex in a note, it seems to autocorrect to duplex, which is <laughs> handy. At least I know what it means when I see see duplex. Um, Booker T hits his sidewalk slam, and there, there's a point when they're both here. They're they're both kind of selling the impact that the what's been a pretty fast paced match mm. has had on them. They both look absolutely exhausted. Um, Booker T kind of gets a, a second wind, um, takes control. We've got some. Uh, he 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 does. I don't think they refer to it as a spinner Rooney. But um, he he does get to his feet from a lying position by doing a spinner Rooney type move. I just don't think it had been named yet. Um, I assume it was named in WWE rather than WCW. It just screams WWE, doesn't it? Yeah, they they'll have seen it and thought that needs a name. It's know. the Spinner Rooney. <laughs> um, we've got uh, the. The ref ending up getting uh, an axe kick from uh, Booker T. Um, uh, come on, Mickey J, you can do better than that. That was so awkward. Yeah. That, it's kind of like a three-man handshake or something. It's really weird. Yeah, I did write, you know, that this is probably the worst-looking thing in the match because <laughs> it didn't look like it was even possible from <laughs> the, the build-up to it. But, you know, 
they have to take out the ref somehow. <laughs> Didn't look great. Um, yeah, so so Booker's then trying to revive the ref uh, while while Benoit's recovering, uh, and we get Benoit applying the the cross face. Um, nice, I think, little story here, given where they're clearly going, which is you know more more matches coming up, where uh, there's some debate over whether Booker T tapped out or was just reaching for the rope and didn't quite get it. Yeah, like um, that. Yeah, it really was ambiguous the way he did it. It wasn't your mm-hmm. classic tap tap tap. Yeah, um, I thought it was. You know, it's, there's a good story there for both performers in terms of in terms of uh, what happens next because uh, Benoit realizes there's no ref, um, goes to try and revive him. Uh, Booker T's then back on his feet uh, and hits the Harlem sidekick. Um, ref just has enough in him to count the 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 three count and the pinfall for Booker to retain. Benoit's clearly not happy and feeling cheated he believes Booker T tapped out uh, but yeah good good story because I think both could totally straight faced argue that they had the win in that match yep. which is uh, which is a good way to move forward for, for both into a programme yeah agreed just um, just noting you talking about both both guys looking exhausted I think I think that's a bit of a theme across this this whole pay-per-view um, I know they're in they're in Denver, mm-hmm. and you're at a high altitude. Yeah, um, it's not really mentioned. I think Tanae mentions it at one point during the paper. Yeah, um, but I know from watching UFC, um, I remember there was a Cain Velasquez and who someday there's a, there was a point where Cain Velasquez was unbeatable. Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, um, and he ended up fighting at. In Denver, a high a high altitude, and he lost his title. I remember, I always remember from then on. I wonder if it's you know if they are in Denver. I wonder if it has an impact on them because, like you say, a lot of them are looking exhausted. Yeah, in, in a lot of these matches, I've seen it in uh, the NFL as well. Um, you know, players having to take oxygen at times mm-hmm. if they're not used to playing the Broncos in Denver and. Uh, it obviously, when you're, you know, it's it's that physical um, and that demanding on the body. I think some, if you're not used to it, you start to struggle. Yeah. Also, like, did you think that the the apron or the the mat that they were wrestling on looked solid? It looked really different. I noticed DDP slipping on it a few times. All right. It's almost I like pick they were, up on it. they're like you know, like a classic gym hall type. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel they should have had the old sand shoes on. Um, yeah. It looked solid to me, but maybe that's just reading into it too much. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, a good heart hitting wrestling match with some good storytelling. Yeah, is not what we're about to get <laughs> from the British Bulldog being accompanied by an inexplicably pajamaed Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> Uh, versus Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude. With, with Rick Rude, I should say. What the yep. fuck is this? <laughs> this is an absolute disgrace. Let's just try and break this down, right? Bulldog <laughs> is still going for his like sort of baby face, I know there, I'm from England, um, gimmick. He's limping on his way out to the ring. Yeah. Um, we've, we've obviously established through 
the last pay-per-view that Rick Rude is an absolute menace. Why JJ Dillon's not banned him for a ringside by now is beyond me, but here we are. We get a policeman, um, a policeman, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Adam, <laughs> um, to handcuff Nightheart and Rude to each other because they saw WrestleMania 14 and thought, well, we want a piece of that. Yeah, Give me some of that Sergeant Slaughter action. Nightheart is beckoning Rick Rude with one finger in an extremely camp manner that I'm really, really uncomfortable with considering it just looks like he's got jammy bottoms on. <laughs> the match itself is an absolute mess. There's nothing more significant than a punch or kick thrown the whole match. Yeah. Um, turns out there's far more going on on the outside than there is in the ring. Turns out that the policeman, Adam, can you believe this? That the one black man in Denver is a policeman and it's Virgil or Vincent, whatever the fuck his name yeah. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a total shit show. It's disgraceful. It's an absolute disgrace. Uh, I've got written here at the end because what happens in the actual match? Vincent unveils his, takes his hat off and unveils that it's him. Jim Neidhart's trying to choke him out and meanwhile Rick Rude has got the keys and the handcuffs Neidhart to the pole outside. Yeah. Gets yeah. in the ring, tries not to slip over as he helps um, helps Kurt Hennig beat up the British Bulldog whilst the referee's down, I'm assuming. The referee's down at this point. Yeah. And they, <sighs> yeah. They, and they, they end up, the pair of them end up beating up British Bulldog. I've written here, if Bret Hart comes out here, I am fucking done with WCW <laughs> if they drag him into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was bad. It just was. Um, yeah, we've got... Uh, it's not a follow-up to this. It's, it's a Nitro match with uh, Kurt Henning again in against Benoit. So mm -hmm. I, I was thinking this this might, you know, at least be a bit better. Um, Rick Rude getting involved the whole time. Shivani's asking him NWO questions and stuff like that. But we've got um, Benoit playing the crossface, Rude interfering. Hen Henning tip taps out, so Benoit wins. Um, Booker T again running down to help, so it's more a follow on from uh, from kind of what what we saw earlier. Right. Uh, but again, Benoit's still not that impressed, telling Booker to stay out of his business. Really? Um, yeah. There's there's no. I I was a, I know you were as well. I was a huge fan of Kurt Henning as Mister Perfect. Um, I I was a bulldog fan early on. You know, in his career, that uh, intercontinental match at SummerSlam <laughs> at Wembley. It's like you know. it has to be mentioned when you're talking about Bulldog. Yeah. SummerSlam yeah. 92. And uh, yeah, I just don't... These two have no business wrestling each other in a match <laughs> at this point. I'm, I'm okay with Henning still wrestling because he can still do certain things and he can still have a good match, but I feel like he needs somebody younger in there, a bit more mobile, yep. can help carry him through a match. Bulldog should not be <laughs> be wrestling. He, he can't really do anything. The thing uh, is, he's, he's, still got, he's still got a WWF run to go uh -huh. after this, doesn't yeah. he? And I don't know if it's, you know, you mentioned he's, he's kind of limping on the way down. Maybe he is injured and limited because of that. 
It was just terrible. It's a joke. They should they should do what's right and take it off the the network. It's <laughs> offensive. Um, and yeah, it's like this. Um, what what is it called again? The the whole thing that they've got with Rick Rude, where he's not allowed to wrestle because he's had this huge payout. Yeah, um, the Lloyd's of London. Lloyd's of London. Yeah. That's it. Um, but it's like they need to shoehorn him in mm-hmm. because he may not be able to technically, legally, may not be able to wrestle, but clearly can still go. Um, yeah, and it's like they need to to shoehorn him in and get him get him in the ring, and yeah, it's just not good. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. We've got Jericho up next. We've got the Cruiserweight Championship between Chris Jericho, defending champion. He's had, he's had a good run as we've been watching mm-hmm. um, along. I think the last time out we saw him against Steve Malenko uh, with Mean Gene tearing strips off poor Dean mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, and he is going up against this... The Hawaiian Prince of Ikea. Yes. Prince Ikea? Prince Ikea. Prince Ikea. This is not a guy I was very familiar with. Uh, I don't know about you. No, not at all. I genuinely never heard of him before. Yeah. um, I think we may have... I don't even remember if we've seen him on any of the shows we've been doing. Now, it yeah. may well have been on a few that we haven't watched as part of what we're doing, but sure. it was also just kind of brand new to me as a name in wrestling history. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, it was, and it was all right. It was pretty good. It could go, clearly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it kind of feels... I don't mean this to sound as disrespectful as it might. <laughs> yes. But no, I'm not. I'm not going to have a go at anyone. See it. But um, Jericho already here feels really far above the people he's working with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a criticism of the guys he's in there working with because, like, the, the in-ring matches are all fine and things like that. It feels like he's going with these stories, and none of these guys really have a story. Totally, I, we're just kind of lining up guys for him to run through, basic, basically, aren't we? Yeah, um, I'm curious about what you thought I was going to criticise, because it probably wasn't that. <laughs> no, I don't know, no. Um, so he, he makes part of this about uh, Dean Malenko, as he has been, kind of, as he's going, and I think they mentioned Prince Ayakea was trained by yeah. Dean Malenko. Yeah. Um, do, you think, do you think we're getting a rematch down the road? It, it, it feels like we might be heading that way. Hope so. Um, and he, he, he dedicate, Jericho dedicates the match to Dean Malenko, who he says is sitting at home eating potato chips and drinking Coke. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, I'd, I, I really like watching Jericho. Um, and I look at some of the rest of the talent that's in the company and kind of wish he was working with some of those guys. Well, that's interesting because I'm I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm quite glad that he's got this own he's got his own wee lane down here off to the side. Okay. Um and he's just sort of having himself a good old time. <laughs> he's doing what he wants on the mic, it seems. He's doing what he wants with his angle. I like this whole collector gimmick he's got going on where he's taking little bits and pieces from everybody that he beats. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Not in yeah. like a 
that sounds a bit sinister. It's not a sinister way, but it's, it's not like ears or anything. Nah, yeah. I'm all ears. Nah, <laughs> more in a childlike, stupid, showing off Jericho way. That, yeah, that sort of only he can. Mm. He can just, do. Uh, just to clarify, when I say that I wish he was working with others, I don't mean NWO or top of the card. I'm seeing people like uh, Benoit and Booker and. Uh, you know, even DDP and people like that. Mm, mm. Um, it's more, I don't go into, now we probably will at some point, but I don't go into any of these matches and think, oh, I wonder who will win. Because mm. it feels like, quite rightly, like this is very much Jericho's uh, title for probably uh, a little while beyond now. Um, and it's it's more, I'd, I'd like to see, it feels like these are all fill-ins for Malenko. For Malenko coming back and having a rematch. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know if they've built, like, I think the match, at, um, what was the last one uncensored? The, the match they had was great. It was cracking. Yeah. Yeah. I just, we need more from Malenko to build that rematch. Yeah. If and you know I know I mean. he's, he's, what was he? He was like all depressed, wasn't he? And, yeah. Uh, and just kind of walked away from the bullying and harassment he was getting from Mean Gene. Sick bastard. And we've not seen him since. But hopefully we will. Hopefully we'll see him back. And um, yeah. So this Prince I- Iokea um, was wrestling with no shoes on, which is a little bit different. Um, he's a cruiserweight, so you kind of know what you're getting, but he's not like, he's, he's certainly not like a lucha style or mm-hmm. anything like that. So he's, um, high flying and high impact, um, and it was it was quite a good match. It was a lot of surprisingly close falls, and you were saying there that you like you know who's going to win, and we, we both knew Jericho's going to win here, but um, but you do get a couple of close close falls for yeah. for the Hawaiian Prince of Sweden. I've got written here <laughs> that doesn't make any oh IKEA okay. <laughs> Wow. wow. Nah. Uh, do you think you were laughing to yourself as you wrote it? Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's an odd spot that's kind of like a turning point or the, the big spot in the match. Um, the two of them are both, I think. I Oh, hello. <laughs> Is that your cat? Yes. Coming to join Just the decided free. to come in and shout a little bit. Uh, hopefully it'll be quiet now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they're both up on the top turnbuckles and uh, they're both like stood together which is quite strange to see but they're obviously cooperating um, Mike Tenay, that sick freak he wants Jericho to do a Hurricane Rana as they're <laughs> both stood on the top of the top of the turnbuckle uh, something goes wrong and uh, Ayakea hits the apron outside Jericho falls all the way to the floor um, yeah. that's kind of like the big, the, apart from that, it's quite map based. Uh, mm-hmm. A map based match. That's kind of like the big uh, turning point in the match, anyway. Um, they go back and forth a bit. I, I okay, goes for a sunset flip, and you know what that's, you know what's going to happen there. Reversal, line tamer, it's over. Jericho yeah. retains. Good match. Yeah, and I, th- I did quite like the fact that it was quite map based. Because it it could run the risk of it feeling like Jericho's having the same match over and over again, albeit with 
different people. Um, so it's a it's a little bit of variety. And yes, it's cruiser weight, but someone who is that weight doesn't necessarily they don't necessarily all have the same style, which is good because they they logically wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is an odd one. Where's um, where's Rey Mysterio at this point? Do you know, off the top of your head. I don't. Um, I did wonder if he was injured because I know if he's with if he's already with WCW, which I I would have thought he would be because I think he he was he was actually there when the NWO first. I've memories of like Kevin Nash throwing him into a trailer or something like that, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so he, he's probably injured because it, he didn't move across early, did he? He was nah. He was, uh, he was after the. He was. He was still on the um, on the last episode of Nitro. Mm-hmm. He was still there. So he's, he's probably injured because um, oh, yeah. I know he had a couple of bad knee uh, injuries over the years. So it might be one of those. Oh, interesting to see if we get him thrown into this mix. Mm-hmm. Um, quite like to see Kidman thrown in with Jericho as well. That'd be probably quite entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's that. There are a lot of possibilities for matches. Um, I don't know if you you caught any of the Jericho stuff on the Nitro after. Um, so he's he's mocking Dean Malenko. Um, he 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 says something like, uh, "Dean Malenko will never be back in the ring again." So he's about to have a match against Juventude, and he says, "This one's for you, Trooper." Talking about uh, Dean Malenko. <laughs> Um, and they, they actually really put Juventud over pretty strong in the match. So, um, Juventud gets caught in the, the walls of Jericho, but he, they do the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. He won't tap out Juventud, so he passes out. Oh. Um, Jericho retains. Jericho actually looks, he's very good with the facials. He looks really shocked that he, you know, uh, Juventud didn't submit. Uh, and although he's, retained his belt he he just has a bit of a a surprised look on his face at everything that's just happened so mm. I don't know if they're they're trying to put a little bit of steam behind Juventud there at the moment Nice, they did uh, that match that they had where he demasked was a really close match mm-hmm. um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against seeing them again, that'd be good Yeah, yeah um, Cool, okay we go we're going to tag team match here and I make one another rant, but before I do, um, who is tag team champions here? Outsiders. Uh, it's not on the card, is it? The tag. I don't it's remember ever. I don't remember us ever actually talking about. It. I'm going to pause it and look to see. So we have worked out that the outsiders are tag team champions. I'm not sure where Scott Hall is at this point. Ah, the Outsiders won the titles from the Steiners. Yeah. After um, Scott turned Scott on turned. It, yeah. it, it uncensored. Okay. Yeah. Get behind that. I'm um, not sure where Scott Hall is this pay-per-view. I thought it was odd. That... Yeah, because he had a pretty prominent position in the last one, so yeah. it just disappeared. Although, um, I suppose with everything that's going to come up, he's, he's bound to have a a role in what's about to happen. Yeah, sure. Sure, so we've got, we've talked the tag teams, we've got Rick Steiner and Lex Luger, who feels like he's sort of just been sort of slotted in here for something to do. 
uh, yeah. because all the other higher uh, higher slots up the card have been taken. Uh, and they're in a match against Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell. Um, this is some hunt. This is some serious, serious. This is some tedious nonsense that yeah. they waste. This pay per view is two hours thirty minutes. You take that f- fucking mess of Bulldog versus uh, <laughs> Kurt Hennig off it, and then take off this. You're looking at a much better looking pay per view. A lot of nonsense with Buff Bagwell in his hand. Um, they're making a big deal that it looks like he's just chucked some bandages over the top of his his wrist. Uh, they get some doctor to come in who looks an awful lot like Lex Luger <laughs> um, to have a look at. It. He, he says that he's fine to go, and Buff makes the he makes the uh, mistake of actually grabbing JJ uh, Dylan. With the hand that supposedly hurt, so. Yeah. So even for you, JJ Dillon didn't save this this whole sequence. I'm this afraid. Is, I'm afraid uh, not. I'm afraid JJ. I'm turning the corner on old <laughs> James Dillon. Yeah. I think it was our first sighting of that devious heel bastard Gene Okerlund, though. Pay per view. You're never gonna forgive and forget with that, are you? Uh, I'm f- uh, nah, <laughs> nah. You're not getting past me, weir. Hey, everybody. I'm nice to everybody apart from Di Malenko. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I was. Uh, I've got written here. We're another month on another pay per view on from Scott Steiner's heel turn, and realistically, what have they done with him? Yeah. It feels, and I know he's he's kind of going to get there, but it feels like um, it's it, it's a big missed opportunity um, because they they turned him pretty strongly, and ever since then he has seemingly been on the run from his brother. Mm-hmm. That that's how it's felt. That's how it's been positioned. Mm-hmm. And I get you don't want to bury Rick Steiner. You know, it's it's probably is quite a bit of concern about what happens with him now uh, but I don't know it, it feels like they, they turned him and then immediately made him weak which mm. just seems really like a missed opportunity Yeah, it, it should be being positioned um, as like being able to go toe to toe with Luger whereas he's, he's being this sort of chicken shit heel running away from his mm-hmm. brother Yeah, I've got I've not got any notes about the match <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I was pissed off with it, but the only thing I do have written is that at least Luger is really, really over with the crowd. They love him. Uh, I've, I've got uh, Scott Steiner clearly positioned as scared of his brother Rick, only willing to come in the ring to sneak attack him from behind. Uh, Rick is isolated from Lex Luger for most of the match. Uh, Rick, it's a Steiner line on Bagwell, then Scott Steiner. Runs up the ramp. Um, <laughs> we've, you've got. I forgot he ran away. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that leaves Bagwell and Luger in the ring. Luger puts the torture rack on. Bagwell submits. Rick comes back down to the ring, but Scott doesn't reappear. Um, there's a little bit of back and forth between the announcers about, you know, that the NWO are supposed to be a all in it together, you know, brotherhood type. Uh, and Scott has abandoned his partner, but then the sort of counterpoint to that is, you know, there, 
they're all backstabbing, they're all in it for themselves. So what would you expect? Type type view. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, this this didn't this didn't grab me in any way, to be honest. Nope, me neither. But the good news is, do you know what time it is, Adam? It's bonus match time. Uh, yeah. I seem to remember the last time we got a bonus match <laughs> on pay-per-view. I don't remember what it was, but it was an absolute shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember either, but it was awful. <laughs> this time we get the chairman of WCW, La Parca, taking on, I think they would say he's a former tag team partner of him, Psychosis. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I'm have, I have I had a lot more fun watching this than I've had watching um, some of the other matches on here, so it was it wasn't bad for me. Quite enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I've got in my notes these guys are crazy, <laughs> um, which probably indicates some of the stuff that's on the go. Uh, something about a a corkscrew moonsault looking amazing. Yes. Um, there's a there's a whole host, uh, you know, uh, aerial moves here that that catch the eye. Um, just mainly psychosis, isn't it? Yeah, um, it, it's just really entertaining, um, and it it lifted me up again a bit after what we just watched beforehand. Yep, same. They they, they actually they start out the match pretty similar to what was the, the match that we watched last last episode was it Eddie Kingston Miro. They sort of yeah. start out this match similar to that, and they're just slapping each other mm-hmm. um, hard, hard as they can. And uh, at one point, La Parca calls psychosis a puto, which yeah. I think is Spanish for brother. Is that right, Adam? Uh, no, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, psychosis at one point hits a suicide dive and brain questions, why would anyone want to do that? It's a quite like... <laughs> Uh, what what do you make of the um, the Mike Tenney? Um, you, you know how he's, he's obviously <laughs> here's one for you Tenney. <laughs> yeah, which is funny, and I like I like the way they do that. But it is like he is the I don't know the the sort of expert in the field for the, the lucha expert, isn't he? Yeah, um, and I think in some shows he's purely brought out for that match, whereas in other shows he's he's kind of on the card the whole time. I don't know, I just find him a bit annoying a lot of the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I certainly don't take, you know, like, I don't take anything away from what he says about, like, these matches are entertaining. Uh, They're a bit, are they a bit silly? Is that right? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I don't, it doesn't feel like they benefit from an expert, I -hmm. suppose. And I find, I find Tony a bit, Annoying as well. So he's called yeah. Iron Mike Tenney and he's this sort of little weedy looking guy. Nah. I'm quite down on this pay per view. <laughs> I was hoping we would find something, but if it wasn't coming from that match, then I don't know where we're going to find it. <laughs> Psychosis wins this match, but I don't know how. Eh. Now, I've got. I did have a criticism of this as we were going to finish. So, Laparca is trapped in the ropes, but he's, he's really not. I mean, it looks incredibly easy for him to go, have got out of the situation he's in. Uh, Psychosis hits a guillotine leg drop. 
um, while Laparka is, is poor lad is still trapped in these <laughs> ropes and then uh, gets the, the pin for the win there. But yeah, it, it did look like he could have just, um, you know, removed himself from the ropes without too much effort. But so there you pu- go. You know, like talking about the altitude, poor psychosis. He does all these crazy moves and then at some point he just looks absolutely knackered. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end he says something at the camera and he just looks like a dying man on his knees. (laughs) But he got the win. That's what matters. That's the main thing. Um, So, surprisingly, we come to to Hogan and it's not the final match on the card. Pretty unbelievable. Um, Yeah. So, this is the one we were really looking forward to, I think. This, this is, is this is it. Yeah. Judy Bagwell in a pole match. <laughs> no. Bat, yeah. The bat on a pole match, which they set us up for, I think, at the previous pay-per-view. The last match was... The previous pay-per-view match was the rematch between Nash and Giant, was it? Yeah. At Uncensored. And it yeah. was in that match that the bat got introduced and... Hogan broke it over a giant shoulder. Um, I don't know where Piper came from. Maybe you can shed some light on that. Do yeah, I, I, I know he'd, he'd appeared as someone, you know, to, to stand up to Hogan previously. I don't know specifically where the alliance comes from for this match. Um, I don't know if you, you watch through much of the thunder and the build up to this match. Oh, oh, it was, oh yes, I definitely did, Adam. So there was um, animosity being teased between Nash and Hogan, which yep. we touched on earlier. Yep. There's a, a Nash promo, and what I wrote really optimistically was there's a response later on from Hogan. I think there are four responses from Hogan as we go through the show. Jesus. And it's that thing where Every time he appears to say something else, he's not saying anything, he's not selling you the show, it's already done. But I just got more and more angry with the fact that they're, they're, they're ramming this down my throat. That's, and, that's what you're, you're meant to feel like that, though, he's a heel. Uh, it, it made me want to switch off. <laughs> that can't be the plan. <laughs> yeah, I've got a note there from the... The nitro the night after. I've, I've said it's taken Hogan eight minutes to essentially tell us that the NWO is split up. Eight minutes he's going on for. He's probably saying the same vowel the whole time. Oh, Awful. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. Nash and Hogan, members of the NWO, come out separately. Um, that's not lost on the commentary team versus the Giant and the commissioner of WCW, Rowdy Roddy Piper. A bat on a pole match. I've got a question for you, Adam. Go for it. Did, did, did Piper always get announced as being from Glasgow? Uh, I'm not sure. I never but thought that he was like legit put over as Scottish. I, I think he has been before, but certainly not every time. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember because you know I think of a few iconic matches where he's had a, a big introduction. I don't I don't remember it being a big thing beforehand. Nah, I suppose you 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 would probably notice just obviously we've been Scottish. Glas mm-hmm. Glasgow, he was <laughs> yeah um, built to be from. 
Um, this goes surprisingly pretty short. Um, I was like hovering over over the length of it, and I was like, that cannot be it. It's still going after like 25 minutes. Um, it sounds, based on the noises that you're making, that it didn't go short enough for you. <laughs> no, uh, like see some of the things you've mentioned earlier that were terrible, that, that did go short. Um, like the, the the bulldog and henning match and all that, they they went about five minutes each. But they probably felt like a lot longer. This, I think, all in is what is it, thirteen minutes? Right. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I was just too negative about it beforehand because I'm like, what what is this? Why is this really the best way that they can split up the NWO? Which you know, I think we all know. Is what's coming here. Yeah. Um, so when Nash and Hogan come out separately, um, but then you've got Piper and the Giant coming out together, so they look cohesive and all that. Um, I, I just, I didn't want to see it. I didn't have <laughs> any interest in watching it. Um, yeah, there, there was quite a, a big crowd reaction for the, the Giant and Nash. Confrontation when mm. they come face to face. I quite like um, the way that Nash did that. He just yeah. said, Piper, just get him in. Let's go for mm-hmm. it. And it shows, you know, there is an appetite for these two to be going up against each other. Because we've mm-hmm. seen it a little bit previously, and there's definitely a crowd appetite to see it more. Um, we've got, a, you know, a, a situation where both go for a big boot and, and they both get laid out uh, in the ring and I think there's some sort of comment by one of the announcers, I've never seen that before. Never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I mean, that's probably happened a lot of times before. But um, yeah, It was uh, Shivoni. He says, have yeah. you ever seen that before in your life? This is the man that's comment- commentated on the last two times it happened on pay-per-view. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we are talking about a guy that was also instructed to say on basically every show that this was the biggest night in the history of professional wrestling and stuff okay. like that. So, yeah, it's maybe not all his fault. I know um, Shivoni's your boy. I just find him really funny on his podcast because he doesn't give a fuck. He amuses me. <laughs> okay, let's see if you can defend this then. Um, at one point, Hogan's climbing up for the bat, which is, what would you say, maybe... What would you say it is off the ring? Uh, from the top turnbuckle, maybe like eight, nine feet, maybe above, above the like turnbuckle. That. Yeah. So, so, so tall enough that Hogan stands on the top turnbuckle and he has to be reaching up. So Giant grabs him down or Piper grabs him down. And as mm-hmm. he's grabbing him down, he pulls his trousers down. Um, so his yeah. ass is exposed. The Giant then puts him over his knee and starts spanking him. And Shivani says the entire world wanted to see that. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't defend him here. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear yeah. that. There's not a lot going on here. Um, like poor Piper. Question: I don't know what age he would have been here, but he's, he's certainly not as old as he was when he came out in the that Royal Rumble that time in like 2005 or whatever it was. But yeah, he's, he's only like 44 or something like is that. Is he really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's funny because eh? when when you're watching it, then you're like, "Oh my god, these guys are ancient!" But then we just reviewed a pay per view last last time that Christian was headlining. Mm-hmm. He's like what forty forty seven or something. Yeah, I think um, maybe maybe some of the guys hitting those kind of ages today 
lived a little bit cleaner than uh, no. some of the guys from back in the day. Nah. Imagine what it'll be like in like 15 years' time when all they really do is sit around playing video games now. Oh man, don't they? Undertaker <laughs> will be raging. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have a wrinkle on them, any of these guys. <laughs> um, uh, uh, aye, that's what I was going to say. Because Piper, as soon as the bell rings, Piper straight up the turnbuckles, climbing up there uh, to try and get the bat. 60 seconds in, and he looks absolutely gassed. Yeah. He's done in. Yeah, I think that um, that altitude is probably hitting him worse <laughs> than anyone else. He's probably not... I know. He, I think he's been back a wee while by now, but he, he will not be a guy that's working, you know, matches mm-hmm. on a regular basis or anything like that. So yeah. it's probably not going to take an awful lot for him to to get gassed. I mean, you've seen guys like um, The Rock when he had the comeback match against Cena, and The Rock looks like he's in absolutely incredible shape. But apparently, he was gassed right. um, really early in that match, and it it's probably just the difference between you know a guy that goes out and does that three nights a week and a guy that is doing it for the first time in quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah, they do say that there's there's nothing quite is it? It's like that sort of thing of being uh, like match fit versus yeah. training fit sort of thing. Yeah. Um so there's no many highlights to, to talk about here. The giant throws a drop kick. Yeah. Um which knocks Kevin Nash over the ropes. Um, it's at this point that Roddy Piper retrieves the bat, but he basically retrieves the bat and gives it to Hogan, mm-hmm. um, who throws it away. This is a match. They're supposed to be getting it. He gets it and throws it away. Yep. And that, then, yes, that, go on. Yep. That just didn't make any sense. No. Well, this is, you, we're supposed to be living in a world when we watch this where you can uh, suspend your disbelief. Right, so your your belief going into this has to be that the be all and end all is get this bat and hit the other guy with it. Basically, the match is over. You get the bat, you smash them with the with the bat. Yep, yeah. exactly. But then, once Hogan's thrown the bat away, the disciple just comes down and gives him a bat. Yeah, a different bat. Yep. We 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 need to talk about the disciple. Let's do it. Let's un, let's unpackage this this person. Has, has there ever been a less intimidating guy that looks like he's in that kind of shape? And ah, uh, oh, I don't. He's 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 like a comedy character, but I don't think he's supposed to be. No, I think he's supposed to be intimidating, but he kind of looks like. You remember it when? Did you watch Sons Anarchy? Yeah. You know you had the Chucky guy. What did he have? Did he have missing fingers or something like that? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. He was a bit like a, you know, he, he hung around with the the club and he was a bit of a comedy mm-hmm. character. And this is kind of like what this guy would be, except for his his built. But you get the impression that they would all take the mick at him. <laughs> and laugh at him and make him do it, make him, you know, that like go and get tar and paint for being Q sort of behaviour. But like, <laughs> yeah, I think he's supposed to just he's, he's either supposed to stand there and look intimidating, which he's struggling with when he tries to speak or make an emotion with his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the there there's 
I think for me, his worst moment at all that is still to come. That's a little bit later on. Narsh. Narsh. I think that was the point where I had I had to message you and um, <laughs> just question what the what the hell he's supposed to be. It's like that sort of thing of I don't know. It's like he's 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 really um, he's really antisocial or like he gets social anxiety and he gets in a group and just like blurts something out. That's that's what that was a bit like. We'll get yeah. to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Anyway, disciple brings. Let's try and focus here on yeah. this. Five star match. Disciple brings a bat, <laughs> gives it to Hogan, who inadvertently hits Nash. They've got they've got um, Piper. <laughs> I like that Nash was holding Piper up. You know, he's holding his arm up, mm-hmm. saying to Hogan, "Crack him in the ribs," and he goes for the hip. Yep. Uh, which was strange. Piper moves it away. He cracks Nash. Um. Eventually, the disciple helps out Hogan into nailing. Piper and Hogan gets a one, two, three. Um, Hogan and see this this falls down here. The whole logic of Kevin Nash, I think you're meant to think is quite intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, however, at this point, he gets back in the ring and then just is like buddy buddy with Hogan again, and he goes to Jackknife, maybe Piper. It's uh, the giant. Is it giant? It's the go. He's yeah, going to do it again. I- I wrote in my notes, oh God, not this again. <laughs> uh, suddenly feared for the giant's life, but it, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's, it's not going to happen. So he goes to do the jackknife and Hogan cracks some of the, with the bat. But yeah, just a bit like, but Nash is coming. Nash is, out of all these people, with all these ridiculous storylines, Nash always sort of fits together his story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, that wasn't. I suppose we can allow him a lapse in judgment. Yeah. Um yeah, they're still trying to keep the giant pretty strong here. Uh Hogan runs from him, he breaks the bat over his knee. Ugh. Um Yeah It's it's obviously playing into a whole bigger story with the NWO. Mm-hmm. I felt like there would have been so many better ways to get there. If what you needed to do was, you know, create a a permanent split between two of the originals that were in it, yeah. Um, this 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 match to get there just uh, awful. Do you not think? And I'm sure we could fantasy book until the cows come home. But do you not think it would have made sense for Hall and Nash to turn on Hogan? Yeah, at some point. Yeah, it would have. Played, I think, into the characters they have portrayed since they came in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many angles you could have worked with it. You know, they were they were teasing issues. Had Hall won the belt when he had his shot? Um, mm-hmm. They they didn't go there with it. Um, I think they the, there's you can see in the sort of story path that it's gone through better opportunities to have done this more effectively, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, well, we are where we are. The the yeah. thing that was... Sorry, I'm saying we are where we are and then going straight back in there, but the thing that's bothering me about all of this is that you're, you're kind of creating 
they've put themselves in a really weird position because you've got WCW versus NWO, but then you've got infighting within the NWO. Fine, but over the from from this pay per view to the next night, essentially Savage isn't it and Nash are now faces. Mm-hmm. So what happens to like this thing? Yeah, it it makes it pretty messy. And I know they always said that the the plan was to kind of have two separate organisations. And I think at a point two, they basically wanted one NWO show and one WCW show. So if that was the route they'd gone down, you would have had to have had baby faces and heels within each organisation. That never really made sense to me because... Mm the story that made sense to me was always the NWO or the heels. Yeah. That, yeah. And I don't know if... They've kind of booked themselves into a corner, it feels like, because they obviously feel the need to do something to galvanise interest in everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you're right. If you, if you have basically one heel group that splits into two, but one of them is babyface, then... How do you differentiate between them and the other baby faces? And and, and yeah, yeah, and, do, and and should is it like the baby faces like WCW baby faces should still be wanting to go up against the NWO yeah. members, regardless of whether they're they're yeah. offshoot group or not? But I assume when we get the NWO split, it's just going to be NWO versus NWO, kind of in its own bubble. But I'm not sure about the way the way it ends up going, really. I guess we'll see. Yes. Um, okay, we take a small break from NWO to uh, the US title match, um, which has taken quite a high billing on the cards, really. Um, I guess that's to do with DDP and the sort of star that they're building him to become. Yeah. Um, this is weirdly presented because DDP is the US champion. But Raven's stolen the belt from him. DDP comes out first without the belt, is announced as a champion. But then Raven comes out second with the belt. It's really odd. Yeah. Um, just, just generally, I know, I know it's not a big, a big thing, but it's just quite strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I can always imagine is if you imagine you hadn't seen the show before or the shows before, and you just tuned in for that pay per view. Now I don't know how, how many people were doing that in. In these days, I imagine people were watching the TV. There were so many people watching the TV, but it, it probably wouldn't make sense to you if you just tuned in, if you just decided I'm going to get this pay-per-view and watch it. It was unusual. Mm. And I've probably, mentioned, I've probably mentioned this every single time, but if Raven's not a champion, why does he get to decide that this match is under Raven's rules? Uh, I, all I remember is comments made by the announcers like every time Raven fights it's Raven's rules now like we've said before if you're the opponent you're surely entitled to question that just make that's really weird all these promos are kind of sulky they give off sulky angsty teenager vibes Mm -hmm. and the fact they're just letting him have his own type of matches would suggest that he's just get his own way all the time. Is that a, yeah. is that a backstory of the Raven character that he's like comes from money eventually? Does that ever come out? Am I making I'm that? I'm not sure. I, I, it's a funny one, Raven, because I remember 
liking the character. But when I look back, I'm not sure what elements kind of drew me. <laughs> I'm the same. I think uh, he definitely had a good ECW run. We've maybe, we've maybe yeah. jumped that with the whole Tommy Dreamer stuff and all that. Yeah. Um, anyway, aye. We get, essentially, we've seen this match before, except it had Chris Benoit in it. Yeah. It was a, a three-way dance. Um, it's Raven's rules, so it's no, no DQ. They make their way, pretty much as soon as the bell goes, they make their way up the aisle and start wrestling all over the, the scenery that's been placed to make it look um, farm farm themed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like sort of cowboy western sort of themed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a stagecoach spot, Raven trying to climb off it, climb up it, DDP throws him off it and then dives off it. Um they're getting thrown thrown through gates and fences, which is looks like they're fairly legit. Mm-hmm. Um wood. They look like they're breaking. Um my favourite line on this show, you know they've got the wee the wee table yes. and yes. Uh, he's gonna suplex them. Where? On the website. <laughs> yep. Brilliant. <laughs> it's so of its time. <laughs> yeah, and to be honest, if you if you listen to Tony Schiavone now, I mean, I, I would fully believe he might say the same thing again. <laughs> uh, I just, it, it really made me laugh. Uh, it's me obviously too. not planned. He's not trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that got me enough to write it down and make note of it. Because they, they had the wee table where they would do like their web... Um, chats. Yeah, it's like a Q and A thing. I think they yeah, do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was quite funny. <laughs> um, I love this pay per view. Says Bobby Heenan. Fuck me. <laughs> he's very. I should say Tony Schiavone is. Uh, it sounds from his <laughs> podcast like he's actually pretty tech savvy. Like he he apparently does all the the mixing and stuff like that for their uh, podcast. Oh really? Yeah, and he, I think. He originally wanted, when he was being linked with going back to WWE, he never wanted to be an announcer there, but he wanted to be putting tapes together and stuff like that um, for the network. Cool. So I, I assume he knows what he's doing, but it was just brilliant comedy. Oh, good to, um, it's at this point that they've they've wrestled through all the sort of props and all that. They've wrestled through the crowd. They're back to the ring and we start seeing things like the literal kitchen sink getting used. Um, Shivani is getting very excited about the potential use of a trash can mm-hmm. at one point. And then he just sort of underplays it when he hits it. He's like, oh, he's got the trash can. He's, he's, he's getting he's very excited. He's, oh. <laughs> he's hitting with a trash can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I assume... See, the flock, I remember we've had a few stories with the flock and I didn't really know who, I knew who Saturn was, I knew who Kidman was. Yeah. Um, are these guys, so we've got Hammer, who appears. That's the guy that and, the, the moth's been eating his jumper. Yeah. And we've got Reese, who's this massive guy. Where did that guy come from? Yeah, I, I don't know. And I don't know where he went after, because I, I don't remember him being a thing. He's huge. He um, looks legit like... Over seven keep, foot tall. 
I take it these guys, they, they don't really have their own... I take it they're just in the flock. They don't have their own backstory so much or, or things like that. Because um, I, I just didn't know who quite a few of them were. And Lodi, I think, has been... I think he's he and Kidman are probably the ones that always seem to have been yeah. there throughout all the ones we've reviewed, but I never knew much about the other guys. Lodi seems to be the kind of sign guy that... Goes about mm-hmm. holding the signs up, doesn't he? That what did you say? A guy was called was called Reese. Reese. He was. Yeah. I've never I've never seen him before. I've yeah. Down here, Ravens called in some absolutely ginormous man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They reference him as Reese, and uh, he does a a big. It's like a choke slam type move on Raven. Like uh, the, old, on the old Albert DDP. bomb thing that he used to do, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's just strange that you'd think Vince McMahon would have loved that guy. Mm. <laughs> but basically, here, Raven has all of his guys have a wee shot at trying to put help him put DDP away, but um, he keeps kicking out until uh, a guy who's wearing like sort of TV crew type clothes comes in and smashes DDP with a stop sign, I think it is. Yeah, and the stop sign I think had been used previously as well, but there was no real. The announcers didn't even seem to know who this guy was. Like they, they're selling that they genuinely thought he was one of the crew. Yep. Um. So I, I, I don't. He's not given a name or anything like that. I assume new flock member or one-off flock member. Um. I thought they kept DDP looking pretty strong. Aye. It takes a hell of a lot to take him out. I assume this is a good way of getting the belt on the Goldberg without DDP having to take probably yeah. quite a significant loss. Yeah, I think um, they want sense. they want Goldberg to be a heel as well because um, they they want the crowd reaction for the mm. babyface winning the title off the heel. Um, so I assume that's why it's happening here. I don't think you know we've seen. DDP on quite a run of matches with this title, defending it. Um, I'm guessing, given where he ends up going to on the card, everyone's pretty happy with what he's doing, but they, they feel they need to get a belt on Goldberg. Uh, so what did you think of the, the Raven-Goldberg match the night after? Um, let me just check my notes. It was... It was fine. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking Raven got a, a bit of offence again. Um, we've got, I mean, Goldberg's just kind of swatting off all the flock members. Mm-hmm. He's, um, they're, they're doing their best to, you know, stack the deck and have him overcome all the odds, which I think in the story of what you want the guy to be, that, that's fine. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought, it was what it needed to be. It got Goldberg over. It made him look like a, I was going to say monster, but I mean that in a baby face term. Totally. Um, kind of unstoppable. It, um, it looked, it looked box office to me. The, the way that it presented Goldberg, the way that the crowd were reacting to Goldberg yeah. winning that match was pretty amazing. To they watch also, that live must have been amazing. Yeah. And despite it not being last match on, they gave it the uh, Michael Buffer yeah, intro, yeah. so I think they're doing their best to give it a big fight feel. I'm genuinely really, uh, oh, you know, like I feel like they're doing a really good job with Goldberg. I think out of mm-hmm. all of this mess, 
it's really, it would have been so easy, and I've said this before, <clears throat> to throw Goldberg in against somebody in the NWO. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I'm really surprised they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. and I th- you know, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get there. It'll be interesting to see where where Goldberg does go. Uh, but I, I just, I just yeah, thought they-, they made it look like a really big deal. <clears throat> it's a it's an interesting one because one of the big things they're criticised of is that they didn't, you know, make stars. They didn't put the the underneath guys on top. They didn't give them that kind of opportunity. I mean, they did with Goldberg. They absolutely did. But they've done a lot of it with uh, Booker T, with DDP. Yeah. Um. Th- those guys have clearly upped a few levels as they've gone. Um. But I suppose the difficulty is. What do you then do with them? Because they obviously, regardless of how well they're doing, other than Goldberg and, you know, DDP gets a, a shot and Booker eventually gets there. They don't see them as on the level with the Hogan's, the Nashes, um, the Stings. They're, I suppose it's more, it's not that they haven't made the stars. It's just like they've maybe hit a glass ceiling. Yeah, a little bit. I, I guess Bischoff being. Buddy Buddy with Hogan was going to mean that, that, that unless Hogan took a shine to them, similar to what he did with uh, the Giant, then they, mm-hmm. they're probably never going to get that shot. Somebody like Ben was never going to look like he should be in the ring with Hogan, are they? No, because um, uh, I'm not sure when I think Jericho jumped and so then the radicals so, yeah. after that, but I'm, I'm not sure how far it would be from here to Jericho actually making the jumps. Probably a wee while yet. Jericho was like, I want to guess about August '99 that he right. showed up because mm-hmm. obviously it was the Y2K problem and all that. Yeah, um, but it was a lot. It was well before 2000 that he was actually on mm-hmm. WWF telly. And I know the the giant jumped as well, but again. I, I assume he's still got a while in WCW here. That was um, that was Saint Valentine's Day massacre, so that's like February '99, right? That he came up through the the ring in the cage. I remember yeah. it well. That's Paul White. <laughs> um, who? <laughs> it's the giant. Uh, so I get back to this. We've now got the belt on on Goldberg and. I guess he just, I guess he just holds on to that belt. Is it? He must just yeah. hold on to the US title belt. I'm pretty sure he still got it when he beats Hogan for the world title. Really? And then either I think maybe relinquishes it because um, he was he was undefeated when he beat Hogan for for the title. So he definitely doesn't lose it unless he relinquishes it before. I have a feeling he's holding it when he wins the other one. Right. I've, I can picture him lifting two belts. Mm, so can I actually when you say that now? Is that this year? Is that in nineteen ninety eight? No. Ninety nine maybe. Might be ninety nine. We've still got Ultimate Warrior to come this year. Fuck awesome. Me. Can't wait. <laughs> so that brings us to Michael Buffer and the WCW heavyweight championship bout. Um despite all that I've said about this show, I was looking forward to watching this. I like I like Sting and I think we're we're both firmly on the on the, the Macho Man fan club. Yep. Um so yeah, I've I've written here in my notes that this pay per view can be salvaged if Savage wins a title. 
Um, we've been reminded that this match is now non-disqualification about a thousand times. Yeah. So, yeah, we know that there's run-ins coming probably. Um, I thought that Sting, it's very rare that we actually see Sting coming down the aisle and I thought he looked really cool with a big gold belt over his, sh- mm-hmm. over his shoulder. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the match? I thought it was fine. <laughs> I, I maybe was expecting a bit more. Um, I think we all knew, like you mentioned, the no DQ, we're not going to get a clean finish. This isn't going to be a one-on-one uh, match. And knowing that going in, I think I could cope with what comes to some extent later on. Um, the announcers are spending a lot of time speculating about you know what happens in the NWO if Savage wins the belt. Mm. Um, we've got the uh, I think Savage kind of using Elizabeth to block a Sting attack, and then her getting knocked down. Yeah. Um, so there's still baby face behaviour. Yeah, that's... He proper throws her into the corner. She gets a stinger splash. Yeah, and that's where it is quite confusing because here, Savage is the baby face within the NWO, but the heel overall or Uh something like that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's it's, it's a little bit mixed up at this point. Uh, We've got Savage with a... I never like watching pile drivers. I don't know what it is, but you get a lot of them back in in these days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big pile driver on on Sting. Sting is showing far more concern for Elizabeth uh, after after he's hit her. Um, Savage then bringing a chair into the match. Um, Savage puts the chair under Sting's head on the mat. He's going to go up for his flying elbow. Um, and I've actually written in my notes then that dastardly Hulk Hogan comes in and pushes Savage off the turnbuckle. Swine. That's what I've written. I'm clearly getting quite behind the idea of Savage winning the belt here. You also sound like some sort of old timey's person as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's obviously just the mood I was in when I wrote this. Um, we've got Hogan looking pretty pleased with himself uh, as he goes back <laughs> he, up the ramp. He does like the classic like sweeping off his hands like my job here yeah. is done. And it's it's weird because you would think if you were being logical about it, would Hogan not maybe prefer Savage to win it? Because he's had his battles with Sting. Um, it's not ended up going his way. Mm. In fact, it's, it's kind of looked like he couldn't beat Sting fair. Uh, as we've we've gone through the course of multiple matches, but anyway, his hatred of Savage and everything that's gone on is <laughs> clearly taken over. Um, we've got Elizabeth being walked up the ramp by the the trainers. Um, the the refs down. Uh, did the ref also get? Did Savage pull him in the way of something yeah. as well? So yeah, yeah. I've got a total uh, a big issue with this. It's a non like. Like I said, we've been told it's an undisqualification match about a million times. Why do we need a ref bump? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the ref bump is usually traditionally so that the heel can do something that the ref won't see, you know, and get an unfair advantage. But it's no DQ, so you don't need it. It's just an excuse to be up little niche. There's no yeah. need for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so we've got uh, Sting with the Scorpion Death Drop on Savage. The ref's still down. And then we've got Nash coming down. Here it comes. I, I didn't actually know 100% what way this was going to go mm. when he came down, because there was the part of me thinking this could all be, you know, Hogan and Nash and this together. Um, and Heenan was dropping little breadcrumbs about that the whole way yeah. through pay-per-view, actually, which is quite clever. Yeah, um, whether it was intentional, who knows? Because <laughs> uh, you, you never really know with Heenan. But, um, yeah, so so Nash comes in um, and he hits the jackknife powerbomb on Sting, puts Savage over him for the cover, uh, and we've got Savage winning the title, which I, I'm always happy with Savage winning the title. Definitely. Um, yeah, um, we've then got some... Oh, God. Uh, H- Hogan and Nash. Uh... <laughs> the disciple. Uh... <laughs> he... Oh, it's really weird. So Hogan's kind of saying stuff like, "That's my belt." Nash can't do that. And then it... I'll just read my notes. I've written beefcake. Apologies for that. <laughs> beefcake for some reason repeats the word Nash. <laughs> Just looks really confused, <laughs> points, and then says, Kevin Nash. <laughs> and, and then I've written, he comes across as a total idiot. <laughs> totally reminded me of the, um, oh God, <clears throat> that totally reminded me of the They Took Our Jobs episode of South Park. <laughs> If that's what he's got, he should never speak, or he should just stand, you know, emotionless and not saying anything, not gesturing or anything, and just looking like the, you know, the the heavy. Because uh-huh. um, I, uh, I don't know if he ever cut a promo in his WCW <laughs> run, and I don't know if somebody said to him, you know, you're supposed to be like this, muscle bound, emotionless, you know, and he just didn't know how to play it because. I've memories when he was beefcake. I'm not saying he was a brilliant promo or anything, but I think he could talk. Aye, and he could play the crowd and all that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what's happened here. It's really weird. It doesn't, like, it, I think we spoke about this before, it genuinely doesn't look like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. It's really weird. I, I like that Nash refers to him as Hogan's freak wannabe biker <laughs> buddy the, uh, the next night as well. Yeah. I'm just going to mention one thing about the Savage Sting match, with it being non DQ when Savage was with it being non DQ, um, when Savage was going for the pin, he was using the second rope for leverage because obviously mm-hmm. the referee wouldn't wouldn't yeah. um, pull him up for it. I liked that; it seemed logical. Yeah. But then there was a point when Savage was outside and and Charles Robinson was counting him. Yeah, like a. Does a non-disqualification? Can you still get counted out in a non-DQ match? I don't know. They, I think in the old WWF days they used to say no disqualification, no, no count outs. So maybe you can have a count out. That would be kind of pointless if you couldn't be disqualified but could have a count out. I don't hey, know what the what's the, the point value in, would be. What's the point in nitpicking? <laughs> they clearly don't watched. give a shit. <laughs> I was going to say, when we've just watched one of the all-time great pay-per-views, exactly. you're just splitting hairs with this. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, I, d I don't know if you followed much of the follow-up Nitro in terms of the story between these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the first thing that happens, I think this maybe happens quite early on the, the Nitro, is uh, we see what happened after the pay-per-view ended, which was Hogan and Beefcake uh, attacking Nash and Savage. Scott Norton getting all above his station. <laughs> totally. Coming out. <laughs> It's like this middling guy who's decided I've had enough of this. Let's um, call Karen he's, Norton. <laughs> he's, he's confronting uh, Hogan and Beefcake about their, their behaviour. He's saying things like, you know, the belt's back in the NWO where it belongs and that kind of thing. That The view being that should have been the objective. So, yeah. Um, this kind of goes through the whole of Nitro, um, this angle mm -hmm. uh, between them um he we've got hogan coming out and again was this another hogan coming out several times or appearing several nah, times it was just it was this was it one uh, he comes out yeah. to open it and that's what that's when i've written it's just taken him eight minutes to essentially tell us that the nwo split up yeah it's horrendous so he's, he's talking about wanting a shot at the belt that is rightfully his he's saying the nwo is split uh when he takes his belt back, we'll see who follows him and follows and who follows Savage and Nash. Um, we've got a uh, Savage coming out, uh, calling Hogan a coward, accepting the challenge, um, introducing Kevin Nash as the new leader of the NWO. Yeah, that was. Um, what did you think of that? I thought it was a bit weird. Yeah, I didn't hate it. No, um, no. I think I sort of took it as you have to kind of be putting Savage in a baby face spot for this to work but again he kind of is in this scenario mm. um, he isn't in it for himself he believes Nash is the right person to be the leader of the NWO he doesn't feel just because he's got the belt that he should be the leader so I kind of took it as that and mm. him kind of putting Nash over um, you've convinced me Okay, <laughs> I was maybe reading too much positivity into it just because I quite like Savage speaking. Um, I thought he was brilliant with this promo. Yeah. Brilliant, especially when you compare it to Hogan. Just yeah, electrifying. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Nash taking the mic. Um, he's, yeah, this is where he calls Beef, Beef the Disciple a freak, uh, saying that Savage will retain tonight. If that freak beside him sticks his nose in, he gets jackknifed. He calls Eric Bischoff a Ken doll. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Hogan with the Disciple coming out. Um, is this just... Um, oh, it's for the actual match. Um, so Hogan coming out with the Disciple. But Savage comes out on his own, which I found a little bit strange. Yeah. Um, We've got Hogan telling the disciple to watch out for anyone from the NWO. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, surely there's not going to be any kind of swerve here, so it's all fine. There's everything will just be as it as it seems. When when um, Hogan's saying that, to, when when Hogan's saying that to him about watch out for people coming from the NWO, he doesn't say anything back. He gives a thumbs up to like <laughs> the air. <laughs> it's like somebody's controlling them backstage. He's maybe been told he's not allowed to speak from now on. <laughs> Kevin Nash. 
<laughs> we've got uh, I assume this is no DQ again this match yeah uh, so in between some of the matches I think it's after the Goldberg Raven match Piper comes out uh, that bastard heel Gene Okerlund introduces the commissioner Piper and he comes out and he, he says he's going to set a bunch of rules for the match but he doesn't he says it's no DQ and then he says the match will go on until two o'clock in the morning if it needs to, basically somebody needs to win. That's mm-hmm. not a rule for the match. And third, the third rule for the match is that Piper will have his way with Hulk uh, Hogan by the, after the match is finished. And what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. Indeed. I wouldn't let my imagination run wild there. Not like no, wouldn't Mania is about to. Um, they give this match about what, 25 minutes? Yeah. It's too it, long. I, see, when I, I was like watching the show and I just looked at the, the time that was left, um, you know, you assume with what this match is, there's a hell of a lot of stuff going to go on yeah. in the aftermath or towards the end of the match, but I didn't expect the actual, you know, in-ring to go on anywhere near as long as it did. Um. Yeah, we've got, like, in terms of the actual match, Hogan starting aggressive, dominant, uh, using the, the disciple to, to make sure he, he keeps the advantage. Um, we've got Hogan going for leg drop, Savage moving, getting a bit of initiative. He goes for the big elbow, but he's hurt his knee, uh, can't make the cover. Uh, Bobby Heenan getting a little bit frustrated by that. He's just saying, just, just get over and, and, you know, just, any part of your body on his, just make a cover. Um, and then uh, we've got Savage uh, getting a bit of a second wind. It's kind of th- uh, after Hogan has applied the figure four leg lock to try and, you know, exacerbate the, the knee injury. Savage kind of throws the ref at one stage uh, and then the disciple takes out the ref. And again, you know, very similar to what you mentioned last night. It's it's no DQ, so probably not needed here. Um, not sure which ref it was. It wasn't Baby Nature again, was it? Mm, um, not sure. We've got uh, Savage's knee getting wrapped around the ring post several times. He's been That's shelling right. the knee for for quite a chunk of the match. Um, the disciple hits something called the Apocalypse on uh, Savage. That was essentially um, a stunner, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, he's he's hit the title belt, has used the title belt um, as he's done it. We've uh, we've then got you know it's it's bizarre that it would take quite this long, but Kevin Nash has seen enough and uh, he comes out. Could have come out quite a bit earlier and uh, stopped the uh, double teaming that was on the go, but who am I to to judge <laughs> his decision making? Um, we've got Bischoff sneaking in behind Nash. Where's he come from? Uh, he, he, he just, I don't know if he kind of crept down behind him because I, I didn't see him until he was like there. Aye, same. Um, so I'm not sure. He could have been, you know, hiding ringside the whole time. Not sure. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, he, he's basically holding Nash's leg so he can't move. And then Hogan, this, the disciple, take him out. Um Oh, we've got Hogan trying to hit Nash with the belt. Nash ducking. Dis- Hogan takes out the disciple. Nash gets Hogan in position for a jackknife powerbomb. Eric Bischoff, he's, he's like acted like a, a, 
a, a wee boy kind of trying to, he was like jumping on his back and stuff like that and scrambling all over him to, to try and stop this jackknife from, from getting hit. Uh, he's kicking him, all that kind of thing. Um, Nash takes out Bischoff, hits Hogan with the jackknife, places Savage on top of Hogan. I'm sitting there happy thinking this is all good. My guy Savage is going to retain. Uh, we'll never see Hogan again. This is all, all great. Um, and then, Bret Hart? Why on earth is Bret Hart interfering in this? Why has Bret gone heel? Well, well, the previous week on Nitro, um, peppered throughout the show were these weird vignettes, and I only know this because I clicked on the wrong Nitro. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And he was talking about, I'm never going to let anybody screw me again. I won't stand back and let anybody else be screwed. And I don't know how that plays into why he's here, but I think that that relates to it. So he, okay. he, he comes out and nails Nash with the belt, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, nails Nash with the belt, uh, pulls Hogan across Savage and revives the ref. The ref, the groggy poor ref, just has enough to, to make the three count. And uh, that's Hogan with his belt back. Hogan, new champion. We have a furious Roddy Piper coming down to, to the ring to confront Bret Hart. He's shouting at him, how could you do that? Bret Hart's just kind of ignoring him. He's shouting, talk to me. Uh, and eventually uh, Bret Hart just uh, punches Piper, knocks him down, and then uh, has a, a really smug grin on his face as he as he leaves the arena to, to close that show. I'm very disappointed in Bret Hart here. I loved, I really, so this is like a roller coaster emotions. The pay per view <laughs> was terrible, generally. The, the episode Nitro was brilliant. And I've got up to a certain point where I'm loving it. And then I've just, when, when Bret Hart helps Hulk Hogan, I've wrote, fuck off WCW, just fuck off. I mean, <laughs> everyone knew. Now, there was quite a bit of resentment. And I'm, I'm sure even before, you know, days when I would have been looking up stuff online and all that, I think it was kind of a known thing that Bret Hart did, did not have a lot of time for Hulk Hogan. He hates Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't make sense. Hogan held him it. down in WWF. <laughs> um, you're talking WrestleMania 9 forward. Uh huh. It was supposed to. I believe they were supposed to have a match. Hogan wanted to win the belt at Mania Nine. They were then supposed to have a match yeah, where like the Survivor uh, Series or something like that. I think. Yeah, and then basically Hogan, despite what he'd said initially, refused to put him over. Mm-hmm. Said I, 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 I don't lose to a guy like him or something like that. You know that kind of thing. And um, it's pretty safe to say that in in real life, outside of Nitro. I don't think Bret Hart's forgotten about that. I mean, he's, he tends not to let things go very quickly and very easily. No. Um, they, 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 actually, they had, like, publicity shots done for mm-hmm. the WWF magazine, I'm sure. There's um, publicity shots of them facing off against each other and all that, and then obviously Hogan next to it. Uh, yep. Fuck's sake. What are they doing? Yeah, I was... I was kind of angry at the story because it just doesn't make sense. 
there's there's no logic to it, and I, I like logic whenever possible. Um, yeah, I I know what you mean. The nitro generally was pretty good. Um, you you know that you've got this split in this all powerful organization. You know that certainly three of the big hitters in terms of the structure of that company or the NWO are split between them. I'm curious about who's going to align with who and things like that. I didn't need this Bret Hart stuff. Hmm. Nah. Nah, it's just kind of thrown. I suppose they, they needed they needed people to to team up on Hogan's side if they're doing say you've got the outsiders and Savage. Mm-hmm. Suppose you need people on Hogan's side. It's this sort of curse of them having so many top guys. Uh huh. <sighs> yeah. I'm just looking at the the um, the lineup for their next pay per view, Slamboree, which thankfully we won't get to for another three months, uh, three episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's no Hogan on it. There's no title being defended All on right. it. Alright, okay. You're Bret Hart v Randy Savage. It's a match I've never seen, which I'd like to see. They go yeah. 16 minutes. Um, the main events, Sting and the Giant versus Outsiders. Strange that there's no Hogan on a pay-per-view. Um yeah, because if you, if you look beyond that, he's on the next one. But, um, yeah. Weird. Strange. Uh, so there there we go. That That is all she wrote on WCW Spring Stampede. And thank goodness. That was a slog, wasn't it? They're, um, they're a wee bit harder going, these WCW shows. We're, we're oh, still fairly early in 1998 as well. I know, and I have, in terms of what we are uh, going through next, I have no idea what it is. So, um, yeah, I, I, do you know? Are you able to break the news? What do you mean? As far as what, what, our, ne- what, what our next show yeah. is? Yeah. yeah, I do know. Yes, I do. Um, our next show is ECW Wrestlepalooza. Okay, I can get behind that. I'm, I'm fine with that. Followed by WWF Over the Edge. That's so fair. we're we're a few weeks away from being back in WCW. That's good. <laughs> I need I need a, need a wee break. I need a wee break. I said to you when we were doing prep for this, I I basically watched all the shows in one day, and that was maybe a mistake. Yeah, I, would, I think I, yeah. I scannered myself that day. Mm, I I watched. What did I watch? I watched the first two matches, and then that was when I texted you. Yeah, I've definitely broke it up. Maybe that's the way it go. Yeah. Because it sounds like I really enjoyed it right enough. Oh. <laughs> I'll know the next. I'll give that a try. Just see if it makes a difference. Give that a wee shot. The ECW one should hopefully be a palate cleanser for you. Do you want me to, to tell you what's on it? Go for it. Okay, okay. Here we go. ECW Wrestlepalooza. Um, the FBI versus the Blue Minion Supernova. Okay. Just Incredible versus Mikey Whipwreck. Awesome. Just Incredible, of course, just recently been on our TV screens talking about the plane ride from hell. Yeah. Uh, less said about that, the better. 
Uh, balls and Axel versus Candido and Storm for the tag okay. titles. Um, I'm guessing Candido and Storm are not on the same page after the last time we saw them. Um, ta- Bam Bam Bigelow versus New Jack. Okay. This is interesting. Dudley Boys versus Dreamer and Sandman. Oh, Sabu versus RVD. Awesome. And Shane Douglas v. Arsenal. Um, yeah, I can. I, th- I think I can look forward to this with some enthusiasm. Nice. Yeah, I like the 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 ECW shows because the um, everything, although it's you know it's years ago, it's a frightening number of years ago. Mm. Because I wasn't you know watching the TV at the time, I wasn't. I've, I've seen quite a few of the shows, but not all of them. I'm, I'm a lot of the time seeing matches for the first time. Yep. Um, and it, it just although. Or are we twenty? Oh God, twenty-three years. Um, it feels really fresh to me because it's a lot of it's new to me. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, it's a nice uh, change of pace from WCW. Yeah, like aye, the ECW just kind of feels like fun versus WCW's all slow and yeah, yeah, difficult. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Oh well. Um, we'll see you for episode 22 for ECW uh, ECW Wrestlepalooza awesome. um, until then follow us on our Instagram Outlaws Pod and uh, until next time take it easy Adam away and sit in a dark room for a while and, and get rid of all that horrible WCW-ness good idea yeah see you for episode 22 cheers cheers <laughs>